You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. What's up? What's happening? Welcome in draft review edition of Take Command. He is Logan Paulson. I am Craig Hoffman. And Logan, let us dive right in. We will go through each and every one of the commander's picks. We don't have to do like a letter grade per, per se, but kind of a, an overall thoughts grades. We like it. We don't like it on the players selected over the last three days. And also, I think with the way we start, uh, even though we already talked a lot about Emmanuel Forbes, I want to be able to put Forbes in context of the rest of the draft now that we've seen it. And also kind of update, because uh, I've watched him more, obviously. Uh, now, now that we know he's the guy, you spend a little more time on him. You read a little bit more up on him. And, and I'll say this, at least for me, Logan, like the pick has grown on me tremendously over these mm. last couple of days. Um, the 166 number is, is the highlight, or not the highlight, is the headline that, that grabs everyone's yeah. attention. But that was his combine weight. And like, if he's if he has the ability to get down to that, to run a 4-3 at the combine, fine. Uh, but he ultimately is going to play heavier than that. He probably is already heavier than that. He definitely played heavier than that. And I, I think the biggest thing for me, Logan, is like flipping on the tape. You go, all right, which ones, if you didn't have like the guy circled uh, as a lot of the, the tape breakdowns on YouTube and such do, so you, you don't find him. You're like, all right, I want you to find Emmanuel Forbes on the field by which one's the skinny guy. You'd have a, no real shot at doing it. Like he doesn't look small on tape. And I think as silly as that is, because we have the number, like that matters a lot. And it tells me that he plays at a bigger weight. Uh, the size isn't going to be that huge of an issue. And I think also in the context of seeing them draft Quan Martin to play nickel, like this is their outside corner CB1 of the future. And I think it's a great selection for that because he's a ball hawk player who the likes they haven't had since at least D'Angelo Hall. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think, uh, you know, in the last video, I, like I read some of the comments and some people were like, oh, you guys don't like the pick. Like, I love the pick. You know, I, I think I said this on the show, like his film is the best of everybody in that top group outside of Witherspoon, right? So he's an excellent football player. He's a physical tackler. He's instinctive. He probably played in the most similar scheme to what Washington plays. A lot of a lot of zone. They th- sprinkle in some man. A lot of coverages where you can play with eyes to the quarterback. Like you mentioned, there's the ball production. I think the ball production is slightly inflated, but I do think it's indicative that he's around the football a lot, right? Has the great recovery speed. So I, he, I love the pick. I mean, it's it's a great pick. You know, maybe you could argue at 16, could they have got him if they tried to trade back? They probably could have, but I also think they did try to trade back and it just didn't happen. 100%. And, like we've talked, and, and look, we've I'll, talked I'll say this real quick, Logan. I'm uh, sorry to cut you off, but like no. the Jets very clearly were trying to trade back. They were the pick before. Yeah. Like they used every bit of their time and took a guy that everyone agreed. Like, uh, it's a good pick, but you, you really like to trade back. 
The Jets yeah. tried. And if they couldn't trade back at 15, why on earth would the commanders have been able to at 16? Like it just, it's not feasible to throw that on them and, and downgrade them because they got stuck in their draft slot because there was no one there to trade up for. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I think, um, yeah. And so if that's your criticism, I mean, sometimes that happens. Sometimes you just can't move the spot. And I know they tried and uh, they just weren't able to. And I think, you know, we've talked about this before. If that's your guy, that's your number one guy at that spot. Don't trade back. You know what I mean? Like if you, if that's your, if you've tiered that out, he's, he's the number one guy in that tier. Don't trade back. And, and so either way, even if they, if they couldn't, whatever, if that's your number one guy, don't. And so I think like you end up with a really good football player and a guy that's going to hopefully make this defense a lot better. Obviously he's got to come in and play and we got to see what's going on with that. But every indication of his career, of his film, of his interview that we did with him the other day. Like he is a guy that's wired appropriately mentally. Football is very important to him. He's played football at a high level for a very long time. Like it's, I don't want to say it's a surefire thing, but like in, in, in the grand scheme of surefire picks, it's about as surefire as you get. And the only little asterisk is the 166. And like you said, like he played for four years in the SEC at, at a very high level, very physical brand of football and has no injury history to speak of. Is it three years or four years? Whatever. It's a long time. Three years. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever it is. Long time. So that's what I would say is, is, uh, you know, and he's already bigger. Like in the interview we did on, uh, on our pre-draft coverage, when he came in on Saturday, he already said he's 175. So like, he's already put on weight. That's probably more close to what he plays at. That's still not a great number, but I think it's a number that you can work with. And I think he's aware he's a guy that's going to take care of himself and get in the right position. So I'm, I like I like the pick a lot. Basically, is the is the end of that? Yeah, no, I I like it a lot too. And I, I mean, I'm watching him a little bit um, over the weekend. Like you had mentioned, he plays a little high sometimes. Plays like a little you know forward in his back pedal, and you can see that, right? But you also see it get better, and kind of his body control get better over time. Like I watched a couple of cutups, one of which was against Alabama his freshman year against Devontae Smith. Well, it didn't go great for Emmanuel Forbes yeah. because Devontae Smith was the Heisman Trophy winner and Emmanuel Forbes was a freshman. But you watch then him against Jamison Williams the next year, and it's a lot better. Yeah. And, and you see him then get his play last year in his final year at Mississippi State. And the technique just continues to get refined over time. You know, the athletic, you know, stuff shows off. And even when he does get a, a little mixed up with some of his footwork, like he's willing to like spin and stuff in space that I don't think is exactly your uh, right. your your textbook technique. Um, you know, you don't necessarily want to be spinning with receivers, but he's got the makeup speed that he can he can get away with some of that stuff. And, you know, sometimes you wonder if it's controlled and, and is he baiting quarterbacks? So he's got to learn if he can do that ever at the NFL level or is that a part of his game that goes away? Um, he's still going to be around the ball. Uh, he's going to get targeted. That's that's for sure. That's part of being in the NFL. And, and the question you mentioned, you know, the interception stuff might be a little bit inflated. Um, I'm curious why you say that, but to me, what it says is like if you give him opportunities, he's going to make plays on the ball. Uh, and but I'm yeah. curious why you say that. Um, why you think that production might be a little bit inflated? Yeah, I just think like there's some inter- there's some interceptions that are him. You know, like he's making a play. Like there's the play you know everyone saw like where he's picking off like a bubble screen that will yeah, against Kentucky. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a great play. Anticipates the throw, recognizes formation, all those great things. And there's a couple where it's like. Um, you know, he's breaking on a football on the quarterback, you know, it's college quarterback play. So it's not great. Leaves the ball really inside and basically throws it right to him or they're throwing a big out and they underthrow it. And he's right there underneath, you know, and like an NFL quarterback probably has the ability 
to get that over top for a completion. Now, he's not in a bad spot, but like if you go through all eight, uh, eight of his interceptions, I think, six or eight, whatever it is, even number. six, then, yeah. Yeah, if you go through all of them, I'd say four or five of them are, are kind of like that, where it's like kind of poor, you know, like there's another one where um, the quarterback throws the ball behind the receiver, the receiver is falling down and basically flips it up in the air and it goes right to him, you know. So that's three interceptions where it's kind of like, you know, and then there was another one where it's a fake screen. Um, he bites on it, is able to recover. The quarterback underthrows it, and he makes a really nice play on the ball. But if that ball is where it's supposed to be, you know, it's probably a PBU as opposed to an interception. So I, I think that's kind of what I'm talking about. It's not, again, like he obviously can catch the football well. He's obviously in the right position. He obviously right. has good vision. He tackles well. But I, I personally have I've always been a believer that interceptions and sacks are not great indicators of production the, the, the statistics the statistics go up and down pretty dramatically so um don't don't be like oh he's gonna have six interceptions here he's gonna be around the football he's gonna put himself in a good position and he can catch the football if the ball's there i think that's a better way to look right at it. yeah totally but by the same token like bunch of other dudes play in the sec bunch of there's been thousands hundreds of thousands right. of fbfs players in the history of of the sport and nobody has had more pick sixes than emmanuel forbes and so you know those guys were also playing college quarterbacks those guys were also right. doing all this stuff and so, um, so it's, I, th again, I think to, to your a, point though it's just like he makes the most of the opportunities right. in a way that's better but there's going to be opportunities that were available to him in college that are not going to be there in the pros so if you're expecting 10 interceptions out of him in a 17 game season like let's tamper down your expectations a bit. Yeah. And I just think like, that's, that's a really, you word that very well. That's exactly what I'm saying. It's not an indictment of him. It's more of an indictment of this, the, the media's obsession with these kind of random statistics. And I think, you know, like for sacks, pressure rate is a better indicator. And I think mm. past breakups are a better indicator for corners. And he's very good in that statistic as well. So it's not like, I just, I just don't love those statistics as measures of good cornerback play. I think, you know, like, um, who's the DB in uh, Dallas? Um, uh, Diggs, yeah. Diggs, yeah, he gets a lot of interceptions, but he's he's also kind of playing the risk-reward game at a very, very high level, and he puts himself in bad spots, and he gives up more yards than any other DB in the NFL. You're okay with that because he turns the ball over, but is he is he a top 10 DB because he gives up the most yard? You know what I'm saying? It's just like there, it's, right. it's it, li it lives in a – in an ecosystem. It's not just one stat, but I, again, I love him. I love the pick. I think he's an excellent football player, really impressed with him as a young man. And you mentioned the Devonte Smith thing. So in the interview, Fred was like, is there somebody you're really looking forward to playing? And zero, I thought he was going to say AJ Brown, you know, CD lamb, you know, anybody, I had no idea what he was going to say, but he goes, I want to play Devonte Smith because he scorched our team for 250 yards um, my freshman year. And I want like, that's a fluke, you know, and I just love that competitive, like eagerness, you know, and like the quiet confidence that he had. So in terms of the guy, great guy. In terms of the film, great film. I think it's a great pick. So definitely. All right. Let's uh let's go to Quan Martin, the second rounder, Jartavius, aka Quan Martin. Oh. He goes by Quan, so we will call him Quan. Um, and then I want to kind of circle back and reset the corner depth chart yeah. going into the spring. Because I think both these guys are going to be starters on it. Um what do you make of Quan Martin, both of going back-to-back -back corner, obviously Martin's a nickel, um, but going back-to-back -back corner and the player himself? Yeah, so I think uh, Quan is more of a – you mentioned nickel. I think that's 100% right. He is a nickel, but he's also a post-safety, plays box safety. He's a guy that literally, I think, fits this defense's vision of what a safety can and should do at an extremely high level. Like, he literally can play – you know, the two safety spots, he can play the nickel. I don't think you want him living as the Buffalo nickel, but he did do that a little bit at 
um, at Illinois, right? And then he even had a couple games. I think it was Michigan where he plays outside as an outside corner. So you just got a guy who's very instinctive, very tough, and just an excellent football player. So um, I think having a piece like that is really important, right? Because it allows you to kind of say, hey, let's much in the same way that there's position flex along the offensive line. It's like, how do we get the best four guys out on the field? And I think, you know, right now it's like, Hey, you know, Cam Crow can play the box safety. He can play the post or he can play the post and Cam can play the, you know, uh, he can play the box and Cam can play the post. And it's just, I really like the pick because he's good at all the things. So um, again, like much like Manuel Forbes, he was a very productive college player with excellent tape quality human being right which you can tell was very important to them because literally every one of these guys i don't know kj henry but and then christian rodriguez has some issues but all of yeah. them H- all the henry top- was like a team captain Dabo right. raves about so, him. and we so we talk about like how that was really important to them you know what i mean yeah and you know andre jones the last guy was a team captain as well so it's like that was a big thing he is that type of guy so great guy great film position flex tough football player you know and he's very quick and instinctive and i just i like him a lot you know and again people say is it a need i looked at at that time when he was picked he was the best person i had on my board you know the offensive lineman had kind of gone through a little bit of a run the edges had kind of gone through a little bit of a run and he was far and away the best player so i think i know they liked him and it just seems to make a lot of sense to me that he's the pick at, at whatever it was 47. yeah i'm going to update the graphic here logan for those watching on youtube we're going to go from cornerback quan martin to DB corner. There we go. I like because that. Because he, he is a guy um, that, while kind of, I think, is going to be slotted in to start at the nickel, you mentioned that position flex. And, you know, people are starting to get kind of angry Tired about the position it, flex yeah. thing on the offensive line. And I get it. Like, with the offensive line, you can only play one position at once. And, like, you need a left tackle, you need a left guard, you need a center, you need a right guard, you need right. a right tackle on every single play. You don't interchange. That's not true in defensive back situations. Correct. And especially in the modern NFL with so much motion. If you can have him on one side, like lined up over a nickel, and then there's a, a quick motion and Cam Curl, and he can exchange responsibilities and he can drop back into the post, like that's really advantageous as opposed to feeling like you need to shift your entire formation because he can't handle certain responsibilities and Cam can't handle certain ones. Like you can just have yeah. the guys do this quick rotation. And everyone knows and understands exactly how that works and simplifies your defense. Like you don't need to have, you know, one guy per position on that back end, especially in your safeties and your nickels uh, when you're in that Buffalo or frankly, like if he, he, he also, uh, if he's kind of got that safety build, you eliminate some of the need for the Buffalo. All the Buffalo is, is just having a a safety play your nickel spot. And so if you can have a, a nickel who's technically a corner, who also is fitting your safety spot. Like you just keep him on the field most of the time. Right. And, and I think that's really valuable. Um, so with that said, you have Quan Martin, I think is probably going to enter camp. Like, I mean, I guess technically they're probably not going to give it to him. Like I'd right. imagine, like I wouldn't be surprised if the first snap in August goes to Danny Johnson out of respect for Danny. Cause he's a vet unless Martin is just clearly the better player all spring long, but certainly when they go to OTAs here next week or two weeks, whatever it is like, Martin's going to er, Danny Danny probably gets the first snap and as Martin learns the defense he's got a great chance to go in but let's say by the time we're like in the middle of training camp and starters really Ooh. start you know start to clear themselves what do you think the depth chart looks like inside and outside at corner for this team 
Yeah, so if I was just putting money on it, just you know, based enough film, and obviously there, there's a little bit of projection, but I think Forbes starts outside. I think Benjamin St. Jude starts outside. And then I think um, I really believe that you're probably looking at Cam Curl and Quan starting at safeties, and then maybe Percy Butler as like your Buffalo nickel. Or, Where does Forrest fit in? I think Forrest, I think maybe moves into like a true. So they, they I was talking to the safety coach a couple of days ago, and they do have a different categorization for the Buffalo nickel. And I think Forrest fits that better than anyone else on the roster. Now he didn't feel comfortable doing it last year. He was much better off the ball, like in that quarters look. Um, But if he can grow and kind of address that physicality into that Buffalo nickel role, I do think he becomes that guy for you. And I think that would be great. And I think Percy has some nickel skills, but then again, like because of the flexibility, you can say, I think Percy's outstanding in the post. He's awesome in the post. So let him play the post. And when, and then Quan can play the nickel when they're all in the field together. So I think that's what's nice about this is that you allow, you elevate the back end by saying Forrest is best at this, Percy's best at this, and Cam's best at this. And we can take reps off Cam. I, I think that was a big part of this pick as well is because, you know, Cam's been hurt the past two years and the defense tanks when he's not in there. So can we take some of those kind of box plays off of his plate? And I think you have two guys in Percy and Forrest who can do that. And I think Quan can do that. It's just about finding – and, again, that's why the pick is so perfect for the back end of this defense. It allows you to keep Cam healthy and allows you to get speak to those other young guys' skill sets at a really, really high level because I think they're really high on those guys as well. And so now it's like now we can just bring the best people to the party, put them in the best positions to be successful. So I do think it'll be kind of an amalgamation there of, of, of skill sets. But I think everyone you're going to get the best from all four of those guys, and they're going to play a lot. So obviously – the odd man out here is kind of Kendall Fuller, and I think he might get the first crack at nickel. But I think when it's all when all the dust settles, it'll look like a, a version of those four safeties filling out those back end spots. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm still not convinced that Kendall's on the roster by the time opening day comes around. I, I'm not. I'm not saying he is, but I'm just saying yeah. like I, I like, like always. They'll, always they'll give him that. a shot, and right. he deserves that. And yes. and Kendall Fuller, I like. I think we need to separate two things, right? We need to separate the contract and the football player. Kendall Fuller did a good job last year. He had a yep. good season, like full stop. He had yep. some plays made on him. He wasn't great. He, he shouldn't have gotten Pro Bowl nods. He shouldn't have been yep. all pro consideration. But like Kendall Fuller was a good football player last year. He made a lot of plays. He helped win them some games. Um, certainly got plays made on him. Some of them are just incredible plays by the receivers right. where he's in good position. Um but he also can save you $8 million in a if you cut him in a summer where you're trying to extend Cam Curl. And right. you might be trying to do something with Montez Sweat potentially. Like, there's a lot of moving pieces here. And now, you know, as we'll get to, like, Chase Roulier also could save you a lot of money. And I think he's probably very likely uh, to have something happen with way. his contract, yeah. whether it's a restructure or whether it's just a flat-out cut. Like, we'll see. But Fuller, that if you cut him, like, you save – eight and a half million dollars and at this point i think that makes a lot of mathematical sense i'm not saying they have to i'm not saying it's irresponsible if they don't um i would love if kendall stayed around because he's a vet who knows how to play he knows how to study he'd be a great influence on that room and as we've talked about extensively on this podcast there are not enough veterans in the nfl there are not enough guys who are in rooms to be kind of quasi coach leader types Mentor, and Kendall Fuller. Right. Absolutely. And but Kendall's also not, I don't even know if he's 30 yet. So it's not like he's yeah. ancient. Um, he would be a great influence on that room, 
But I do wonder if, if he winds up not just being odd man out of the rotation, um, but potentially odd man out in terms of the roster as well, as you try to put that together and think about special teams and all that kind of stuff. But he'll absolutely be around for the spring, um, or at least to start it. And uh, then you go from there. At least I would think. I, would I think you said that really nicely because, like, you know, he, he did a he did a fine. It wasn't great. It wasn't bad. It was kind of right in the middle. And there's a lot of people who live right in the middle in the NFL. And um, you know, I like Kendall. He's a good dude. I played with him as a rookie, and you know, he says hi to me around the building. Awesome guy. But Thank this is you. one of the this is one of the kind of the dark sides of the NFL, right? And usually, when you're bringing in this type of draft capital and this kind of quality player, and these guys, both of these guys have high upsides. Quan and Emmanuel, like you're kind of like, well, someone's got to go, and that's that's tough and that's sad, but ultimately that's the sad truth of, uh, of this business. So um, we'll see what happens, but I definitely think that is a possibility, and it's more, it's a more acute a possibility now than it was obviously before the draft. So right, right, and by the way, these kinds of things can also work in your favor. There's a guy starting at left tackle right now that the Commanders got a couple years ago because the Bears did the that's same right. exact thing, and so you know, as we move to the offensive line here in a second. People are mad that they didn't draft certain positions there. They're not done signing guys. Um, right. Just as they'll let guys go, they'll ultimately probably bring a couple of more guys in. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The farmer's dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Take a Man podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. He is Logan Paulson. All right, Logan, let's get to round three. And your guy, Ricky Stromberg, center out of Alabama. Uh, Arkansas. Arkansas, sorry. uh, Out of Arkansas, SEC. Very uh, burgundy-esque color. Doesn't have to change the color scheme too much. Uh, What do do we think about Ricky Stromberg? And and is he your starting center? You know, maybe not going into camp because they probably let Nick Gates – potentially do that or, or Tyler Larson, like based off veteran, you know, hierarchy, but by day three of camp, do, are we seeing by week two of camp, are we seeing Ricky Stromberg as the starting setter? Yeah. I really liked Ricky's film. You know, I, I thought he was, uh, I, he was almost in that kind of Tipman uh, Schultz, you know, the kid from um, Minnesota, he was almost in mm-hmm. that tier of guy Whipler. He was kind of, I, I had Whipler in that tier and obviously the NFL didn't agree with me, but 
Um, he was he was very close to that tier. He was definitely like the fourth center, and I thought he was a very good football player, uh, good athlete, big guy. And I think that's something they prioritize is because when I talked to guys at the combine, they were like, oh, you know, we want big, we like big centers or whatever. So he fits the mold. Um, I wonder about his, you know, high end athleticism, but I think he's athletic enough to play center. Um, I think he's a smart guy, shows up on film, and he's tough and nasty and he's gritty. And I think he's, again, understands angles at a high level. You know, Ron said he thinks he could play guard. I don't necessarily agree with that. You know, he played guard as a freshman. Usually if you're playing guard as a freshman, move to center, it's because there's like a, a hip strength issue that prevents you from being from being truly excellent at, at guard. And I think he's got a little bit of that little stiff in the hips um, that prevents him from having that elite kind of guard bend. But I really, um, but I think he's a center. He's a good center. Um, I think it's a little interesting that you have four centers on the roster right now. Um, and, you know, I talking with people on the beat, one of the things they said is that, hey, you know, they've had a lot of injuries at center and they really value the center position. So me personally, if I'm making a team, I don't value the center quite as much just because I feel like I want a guard to play that. And I want to teach his, uh, Sadiq how to snap. I want, you know, one of the, something like that, but he's an excellent football player, fits the mold of the kind of guy they're looking for. And from what I understand, has played a ton of football in the SEC. And again, like if you look at the lists, man, playing a lot of football at, against high level of competition with a leadership role, that's something we previewed on our show. And they seem to be following that game plan to a T here. No doubt about it. And, you know, you mentioned the the injury things the last couple of years. Like this is the time of the year where there's 90 guys on the roster. When yep. push comes to shove and they have to narrow it down. And with the new CBA, like I think it takes like that's, this starts this year. You go straight to 53. So you're right. going to have a bunch of guys, which I actually like because right. you have that guy that gets hurt in the third week of, of camp and you're already past the first round of cuts. And all of a sudden you're trying to bring a guy back, but you had to cut him. He signed somewhere else, you know, and, and you've invested an entire spring and a couple of weeks of your fall into a guy. It's like, oh, crap. Well, there, there went our depth to be able to keep 90 guys until the last possible second. I actually kind of like, you know, that day cut day is going to be brutal, um, but I, I don't have a problem with them going a little heavier at that position considering and having a bunch of guys ready considering the issues they've had the last couple of years. Realistically, though, it's the same conversation about Chase Roulier as we just had about Kendall in terms of the contract. Yeah. Uh, Chase, you add in the fact that th nobody really knows if he's going to be able to really play. He's barely played the last couple of years, and these injuries have been pretty devastating by all accounts. So, uh, you know, this is this is your guy of the future. If he can overtake Larson, who they played a lot better when he was Larson was in last year. Like part of the reason the O-line fell apart last year was because they got past Brugier and then past Larson. Right. That's where their issues came in when uh, what was it? Nick Martin uh, came in and, and just wasn't up to that task. Right. Uh, and a couple other guys I feel like might have even played last year. But if you can get a guy in Schomburg ready um, and he's he's anchoring that that center spot and. You know, you can get him some reps with Sam. They've got the coverage stuff taken care of. Um, that, that to me, is the biggest question is, like, you've got a uh, you've got a, a second-year quarterback and now a rookie center in a brand-new offense to everybody. How do the line calls work? How do they make sure that they have their protection set? Because that was also an issue last year. And part of the reason, you know, like, everyone wants to crush Charles Leno because of the Giants game. And it's like, well, they, they had a bunch of bad line calls in that game. Right. And Leno was doing his job, and he was yeah. that that job was unfortunately to leave someone unblocked who ultimately sacked the quarterback by running right past him. Um, and so making sure that that stuff is covered is important. And I don't know how EB runs it, whether it's a center or base system or a quarterback base system. Right. But the fact that both those guys are going to be young is an obvious question mark, but uh, not 
not a it's not a deal breaker by any means put it that sure. way sure yeah and it, it is a little interesting you know to have all those centers stockpiled and like you mentioned chase his future is probably in question now more than ever i also think it's interesting that i because i do think they believe that nick gates is more of a center so you know you brought this guy in free agency and you paid him a decent amount of money so you know i think that's also an interesting thing um just just the dynamic of that group now because i do think larson is is probably more of a center only you know and I, again i'm not my experience with that position is that it's very rare to carry true centers on the roster. You're always carrying kind of flex guys. And like I said, I have some questions about his ability to flex, like the size is there to flex, but I wonder about, you know, how he is and they'll probably get him some reps and we'll know pretty early on if he can do it. But I just think that's a, it's a very unique situation, but in terms of Ricky, I, I think he's a good football player and um, you know, I'm, I'm happy he's a commander. Definitely. All right. So let's do kind of the same thing we did at corner. Let's go ahead to the fourth round. Let's talk about Braden Daniels and then let's kind of shuffle the pieces. Where are we along the offensive line? Uh, what do you make of the Daniels pick? So this one was one of the tougher picks for me uh, in the draft. And again, like I've, I've grown on it since my initial evaluation, but he was one of the first guys that I watched in the draft process. Uh, you know, when I say first, he was probably one of my first 20 guys. And I remember watching him uh, Utah and, you saw some really high-level explosion, some really high-level athleticism, but he was very inconsistent. And I kind of thought the only way that he makes it is if he moves into guard. So when they made this pick, I was like, he's got to play guard or center. You know, he's a tackle convert, much like Sam Cosme will be. And um, and I thought, man, that is that is very, very redundant. You know, like you have now all of these developmental guards, guys from different positions that have upside, obviously, but definitely aren't quite there yet. And then Ron gave his presser and said that basically Travell Wharton thought he could play tackle uh, with the right kind of um, coaching and kind of cleaning up some of his footwork stuff. And I have a lot of respect for Travell. He's played a long time. He's a smart guy. Um, he's, and, he's, and he's got a good head for football. So I said, well, you know, if Travell thinks that, I'm going to go give another look. Because I'd also talked to a lot of my online buddies around the league, and two of them, out of the three guys I talked to said they don't think he can make it unless he's playing center. So obviously not big ringing endorsements for this player. So last night I went back and I was like, I'm just going to grind some tape. And I took about two hours and I watched him exclusively. And what stood out to me is that he has really, really, really top flight athletic qualities. And so when you're looking at tackle specifically, you say, do they have the length or do they have the athleticism? Now, he's not a long player. He's got 33-inch arms. He's 6'4". He's 295 pounds, so not a big, long guy. But his foot speed is tremendous. And he does stuff every couple of plays. You're like, that is elite NFL tackle play. You know, he's doing it in the Pac-12. He's doing it against kind of lesser competition. But he does have these flashes where you're like, that's pretty special. And the footwork and the foot speed. I shouldn't say footwork because that's a different thing. But the foot speed and quickness and the athleticism in his feet is tremendous. So like there's a play, for example, where he's on a backside cutoff on a B block and the linebacker tears out of there and he actually runs the linebacker down, kind of does that Trent William reach around block and he's able to get to his front side and seal it off and let the running back hit it for a 20 yard gain. Like that is elite, elite athleticism at the position. There's another one where he sets the, the three technique because he's expecting a stunt. He gets speed off the edge from the defensive end and his feet are just magically fast. He's able to get back, block the guy up. Um, he delivers a really good kind of explosive pop from the hips in short areas, so he's able to create a lot of movement. But he does he does miss a lot. You know what I mean? He does. I don't say miss a lot, but like 
he's got to be perfect. And if he's a little bit off, it's a miss. Does that make sense what I'm saying? So I've kind of yeah. come come full circle a little bit. I still have my doubts about the prospect playing tackle, but I do think the athletic footwork, hip dexterity, and just general pop to his body, just general twitch to his body is very, very good. He's played a lot of football, right? Kind of fitting in that mold. And uh, if Travell thinks he can get him there, I'm going to trust Travell on that. You know what I mean? So um, that's kind of my thought on him. Yeah. So where does that then leave the offensive line? Uh, starting right. wise, Leno at left tackle. You have this uh, battle royale at left guard. Uh, Chris Paul. Uh, who else in there? Uh, what's his Sadiq name? Charles. Sadiq Um, Norwell is still technically there, although everyone anticipates he's not going to be there much longer. At center, you have the four guys that we've talked about. Right guard is Cosby, right tackle is Wiley. Do you think that they're now looking in second wave free agency to add someone else, to add another veteran? Like what, or do you, and if not, is that good enough on the offensive line? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I would have probably gone someone, you know, position flex is big for them. So I do think Daniels, like we talked about, like I've talked to coaches who thinks he can play center. I think he can play guard. They obviously think he can play tackle. So he does bring some position flex, which they value. At some point, I probably am just going to draft a tackle. You know, like uh, I think Ty Warren is his name from Pittsburgh was on the board. He reminds me a lot of Morgan Moses in the fourth round. I think he can be a starting caliber player. Had an injury the fourth game of this last season at Pittsburgh. And, you know, prior to the injury, looked like he was going to be a first round draft pick. And that guy's on the board, and he's a true tackle. You lose some of the position flex, but I I would like to have a guy with that skill set on the roster. Now, you do have Cornelius Lucas, right? He's still on the mm-hmm. roster. He's, he's, an excellent, so, yeah. he's an excellent swing tackle, very, very good, coming in a pinch. But you really only have three guys that can play true tackle. Four guys, if you think Braden Daniels can do it. If Braden Daniels can do it, I think you feel much better about where the offensive line is at. But like I said, I do have some reservation about where he's at and where he needs to go from a consistency standpoint to to kind of establish himself as a guy who can play tackle in the NFL. Because, you know, they do this pretty regularly that, you know, they brought in Sadiq Charles, you know, tackle ends up moving a guard. Chris Paul, tackle ends up moving a guard, right? Sam Cosme, tackle ends up moving a guard. And he is very much in that same mold of guy. I will say he's got a little bit shorter of a torso which helps him kind of sit the power rushes off the edge a little bit better. You know, like think about Morgan Moses, Trent Williams, like literally any good tackle, they've got kind of this really tight torso so they can really kind of brace their midsection. He's got that look about him, but again, it's, it's a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a jump. I think he's physically capable of doing it, but it's a little bit of a jump. And I ultimately, I think he's probably going to settle in the guard and you kind of run into the same problem where you have four centers, you have, you know, Couple 852 guards. Yeah, and that are kind of developmental guys that all have a lot of potential, but none of them have actually done it at a high level in the NFL. And um, but but it, but if Braden can do it, if Braden can play tackle, then you feel much better about it. And again, like I just don't know if they value the tackle position the same way that I do, and that's perfectly fine. But I do think in this era of kind of specialized football, you know, tackles play tackle, guards play guards. There's a reason they're built differently, right? Because they have to handle different athletic, you know, trials and tribulations. Um, I think, I think I would look for a, a tackle potentially in the in the third wave of free agency or second wave, whatever it's called. So, yeah, no, I agree, and and I think that you know, obviously, a lot of tackles went over the last couple of days, and that's yeah. going to cause some veteran fallout. And uh, is there a chance to get some more 
you know, experience in that room and, and to get it at a tackle spot potentially, but you also do have two veteran tackles. Now you don't have a lot of depth, but you do have that veteran, you know, know how hopefully a tackle. And the thing that I'll, I'll say about this with Wiley, like, and I know you like him better at guard um, and maybe he is better at guard, but Eric Bianami's coached him and Eric Bianami is the OC and Eric Bianami brought him here. And I, I, you know, we agree on this. The best offseason acquisition the Washington Commanders made was Eric Bianami. He's yep. going to make literally everyone better. And if Eric Bianami trusts Andrew Wiley at right tackle, uh, fan on Twitter who watched a little bit of tape and read one PFF article, you don't know as much about Andrew Wiley as Eric Bianami does. And I say that respectfully, but like, neither do I. Neither yeah. does Logan. And, you know, Logan knows a lot. I, I know a little bit. Um, and you might too on your couch, but like we don't combined know as much about Andrew Wiley specifically, who's coached him every day for the last couple of years as Eric Bieniemy. So if Bieniemy's like cool to... with him at right tackle, I'm just going to kind of default for right now. And if we're wrong about that, by the time October, November rolls around, then, you know, that's, that's Eric Bieniemy. And, you know, this, at that point, they're probably not having a great season and this staff is not going to be long for their jobs. That's just the reality of this 2023 season with the ownership situation and everything else going on. And I just want to make a point of clarification. Like, I do think Wiley can play tackle, especially with yeah. Eric Bieniemy calling plays because Eric Bieniemy knows what he's good at and knows how to insulate him. Like, for example, like Tyler Columbus was here in Washington and had a very productive year in 2012 because Kyle knew how to call games to fit his skill sets, right, and, and, to, and to elevate him. And I do think that, um, that that's what you're going to get a little bit here of. Like, is he a top 10 tackle in the NFL? Probably not. But there are a lot of guys who aren't top tap tackles in the NFL that are elevated by the play caller and elevated by scheme. He falls in that category, and that's totally fine. And it's the same thing with Leno. Like, I personally think Leno is better. I think he's better than a lot of people think. I think he's, like, probably a top 15 tackle, which, you know, people probably freak out at. But when you look at him down to down, it's pretty damn good. And so you've got two guys that are solid starting caliber tackles in the NFL that will be elevated by a play caller who knows how to utilize play action, who knows how to utilize the screen game, knows how to develop a cultivated run at rushing attack that insulates the passing game. And I think you're going to be okay. I just, I personally, this is again, my personal perspective, but I'm entitled to my opinion. I just would like, I would like to have a guy going into camp with, with kind of more tackle-ish traits which is, which again is my perspective, and they obviously don't think that's necessary. So yeah, I, I would love to have a fourth guy. Yeah, right. To say the least. Um, and, they, and they think they think Daniels is that guy. Right. Like I said, totally. There is a world where he is that guy because he does have this tremendous athleticism. Um, I, I think it's I think it's harder for it's harder for me to see the projection to tackle, but it is possible. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. So. The last thing I would add too is I expect the quarterback play to be better this year. Like I know it's Sam Howell, and he hasn't he's had you know 16 nfl passes in the whole deal but between the play calling and the fact that like how much of their offensive line issues last year were because carson wentz held on to the football way too damn long and like and quick, quicker release too like yeah like sam gets the ball out like yep. it's it's part of who he is like will there be games where there might be a lot of sacks because he's young and confused and the defense throws something at him that that melts his brain a little bit probably probably he's a second year player but overall compared to what carson did last year uh and and even taylor like, and that was, that was a huge problem with Taylor by the end of the year. He was holding the ball way too long. And so, right. you know, you can't go back and, and you know, the same people complaining about that. Now I'm getting too lost in the internet, Twitter and YouTube comments and everything. But like same folks that were complaining about the quarterback play and Scott Turner, when you replace that, like, believe it or not, some of the same players that you're now complaining about will be better. 
Like that's, yeah. that's how that works. So absolutely. That's, that's I totally agree. And so again, like, I, th- I think this is, this is okay. I'd like another tackle body, but I think, like you said, the combination of, of a quarterback with more, with a quicker release, um, a, a coordinator that hopefully knows how to elevate that skill set and elevate the skill set of the offensive line. I think you're going to be, and, and again, the other thing about this offense is I saw something that I think is, is a beautifully articulate way of talking about offense in the NFL. And I think the head coach for Indianapolis said this, and basically he said, everyone runs the same passing concepts. The thing that differentiates offense is protections and how nuanced and um, advanced your protection schemes are. And so if that comes in and if that's executed at a high level, I think you're going to be in a much better spot because we also got to talk about how, you know, Matt Scout, who I like a lot, I have a lot of respect for, was very traditional in his approach to A, run scheme, and B, protections. So what does this offense look like when you give these guys some more nuance in that department? Hopefully it elevates them also. So I do think there is a path through coaching and through scheme where the whole offense is elevated, and including the offensive line, by enhanced protection and enhanced offensive play calling. Agreed. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Take a Man podcast from Odyssey Sports. I am Craig Hoffman. He is Logan Paulson. Make sure that wherever you are watching right now, listening right now, if you're a watcher on YouTube, like and subscribe. If you are listening, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, subscribe, follow, whatever whatever the magical button is uh, on that particular mobile application. All right, uh, let's get to the day three or the rest, I guess, of the day three picks, Logan, starting with KJ Henry. The Clemson program could not rave enough about him. Ross Taylor, uh, who used to be in PR here in Washington and left to go to Clemson, put out a bunch of really nice tweets about KJ, basically saying, like, you guys are going to love him in D.C. That is the person, KJ Henry. What about the tape and the football player, KJ Henry? I think he's good. I think he's, he's a good football player, got good strength in his hands. Uh, you know, he's not like one of these edge rushers that is overly long, overly twitched up. Like, he's a good athlete, not a great athlete. He's strong, not crazy strong. He's just a good football player, right? He played a little five technique, which is like inside the tack, inside the tight mm-hmm. end, played the, to- played the true kind of wide five where you're rushing off the shoulder of the tackle, 
did some good stuff with line stunts and games. He's a good football player. He's a good football player, instinctive. He plays hard. I think he's good. I think he's a really good good value here in, at, the, at this spot. You know, I can see why they targeted him, especially given the character that you were talking about and referencing. So um, I like him. I think he's a good football player, and, and I like good football players. And I think the one thing about this list so far is, you know, despite fit, despite all this stuff, you've gotten guys who are passionate, motivated, and have an instinctive understanding of football at a high level. You know, Daniels, I think, is maybe questionable in terms of instincts, but in terms of athletic traits and passion for the game, that shows up with all of these guys. And so I think he just fits perfectly with kind of the themes of their draft, which, again, we talked about earlier last week. Um, and so I, I think, yeah, I think he's going to be an excellent addition. I think he's probably going to play a little bit, you know, quite a bit of football for this team, um, you know, in that D-line rotation. Yeah, definitely. And it fits what they typically do at D-line, right? They just get like guys who fit the bill from Power 5 programs. Every yes. single dude, except for F.A., um, yeah. who obviously is, is his incredibly unique story. But every other guy in that room is like Stanford, NC State, Alabama, Ohio State, Mississippi State. Like yeah. They like Power 5 big dudes who know how to get after it. And, and K.J. Yeah. Henry fits that mold coming from Clemson for sure. And, um, you mentioned yeah. the, the D-line rotation. Like, where does he kind of fit in that? Like, obviously, Chase and Montez are your starters. I yeah. think James is kind of firmly the third guy. Casey's right after that. Like, can K will KJ be taking snaps from a Casey two hill potentially this year? I, I think that's entirely possible. I also think you know maybe James. He, he's he's a yeah. good football player. We got to see how he fits in this scheme. You know, because he's not again. He, you mentioned power five. I think that's a really good analysis, right? They have a type. Um, he's not as big as some of those other guys you know he's like in that 250 255 range and even casey who's not a big dn by any stretch of the Im imagination weighs 260 so you know he's a little bit of a he's tall though six five he's he's got the frame right. got the traits it's it's just about how that comes together and you know how he kind of establishes his role in this in this rotation you know like because casey has a role james has a role fa has a role and so what will his role be in this rotation and it's hard to know because he was kind of a jack of all trades, master of none. Like he's a decent pass rusher. He's decent against the run. You want him on your team, but like what, where does that fit in? You know, it's a little different than Andre Jones, who is, who has a very specific skill set. Um, what is KJ Henry's skill set, I guess? Yeah. And, but look, Hey, if he's a, if he's kind of a jack of all trades, master of none, like that's a great depth piece. Like, and he's good. Hey, and he's James, good. And it's, James and is I, out this week. Casey's out this week. Like, right. you're going to play their snaps. And and unfortunately, D-line, like, that happens. Guys miss games. If if all those dudes play every single week, there will have been a miracle that has happened. So right. um, someone who can kind of fill in all those different roles and understand all those spots, like, at the end of your depth chart, that's almost what you want. Right. And that was the big thing for this draft for Ron was getting some depth pieces. And I think he does an excellent job of that. And I think that's, that's again, that's great analysis, Craig, because it's like, you know, James missed a whole bunch of time last year. Casey missed some time with a concussion. James had a concussion late in the year. F.A. missed time. And so it's nice to have a guy who, oh, I, I can play first and second down. I can be your drop end. I can be your spinner in certain situations, right? And I think the spinner stuff is probably a little bit. And spinner is, okay, so just for people who know, like F.A. at times was kind of this guy that would come in on third down and be this power rusher. He might up line up inside, outside. I don't know if he has that type of ability, but he does have some pass rush upside. So again, I think that's really, again, a guy that can, unlike just to compare him to Shaka Tony, uh, Shaka could only do one thing. Right. And this guy is not that way. And I think that's, again, a perfect depth piece for this team.
So let's skip around real quick because it's the same position. Let's go to Andre Jones, also an edge. Talk about pass rush juice. This this seems to be the Shaka Tony replacement with Shaka suspended for the year. Right. It does seem to be the Shaka Tony replacement, but I think he's a guy that when you look at his traits, you know, like from an analytics perspective, 6'5", I think he's 245, 250. I've, I've seen different numbers, but a big, well-put-together guy. 44 and a half inch arms, so very long arms for his size and weight. That's nuts. He had a 98th percentile wingspan, so just a very kind of a guy that can add a lot of weight to his frame. Dropped a lot kind of as, as a Sam linebacker in the 3-4 defense that they played there in Louisiana. For a while when I was first watching, I was like, do they want this guy to play off-ball linebacker? And then when you look at his his measurables as a rusher, his 10-yard split, like that stuff is is all kind of elite in that area. So his production may not have been, you know, crazy because he's playing kind of this Sam edge. He's like rushing from a squared two-point stance, which is not the most effective way to do that. But he has some juice, has some ability, good power. He's older. He's like 25 years old. So as a developmental prospect, that's a little, I don't know, unusual maybe. But in terms of, again, that profile, you match that in and that's elite edge rusher profile. And so you kind of say you're taking a flyer on a guy in the seventh. You ensure that he's on your team and you say, okay, he's going to – he has the ability to project to something – that I think like a guy like, you know, James Smith, uh, not James Smith Williams, um, uh, Bradley King or Shaka mm. Tony never could. And, and I, so I, I really like this signing, especially late. And again, I like the fact that he can drop. I don't, I think he's too stiff to play off ball linebacker, but you know, like when you're in terms of finding a role for him on the defense, maybe you could find something like that. Uh, that's a little bit more space centric, but yeah. I, but it also I, sounds like a guy that can play special teams, um, yeah. which is where Shaka when he got on the field was, was mostly on the field. Like he can, and I like him team. better. He's yeah. more physical. He's like, uh, he's got a little more drive to his game. If that makes yeah. sense. Like Shaka kind of had like a, a little bit of an apathy when he was out there. Um, I think the football was important to Shaka, but this guy's got like a, you know, like a Casey Two Hill, James Smith Williams mentality. They finish plays, they play hard, and I, and I and I like that a little bit more from a developmental standpoint. Yeah, I also say this on the the age thing. Like, it's just the reality of like this draft is probably the last one. There'll be a couple of stragglers next year, but like we're getting to the end of guys who had COVID years, and yeah. there's just a bunch of older players that got caught up in COVID years and transfers and this and that, and we're kind of at the end of that where you're going to now have older guys being 23, 24, as opposed to 25 and, you know, Stetson Bennett's 26. Um, So that, that's just the reality of kind of the the last few years that we've, that we've been through here on planet earth. (laughs) All right. uh, Last guy uh, going back to round six, Chris Rodriguez, super physical downhill runner, not the type of back I expected them to take. I expected the, the scat back third down type of, of guy. But they, they did get that guy in, in, in a UDFA, the kid from UCLA. His name escapes me at the moment. It'll come I'll to me. I'll look it up real quick. Yeah. Although your, your uh, Bruin alumni association card is, uh, is revoked. Yeah. Revoked. I don't watch as bad as Howie Roseman's Florida card after I drafted <laughs> all these Georgia guys. Um, but yeah. So uh, what the thing that, I, so let's just talk about Chris Rodriguez. He is a fun football player to watch. And he is such – I remember I talked to Maurice Jones-Drew at the Combine. You were there for some of it, Craig. And mm-hmm. um, I remember talking to Maurice, and I was reminded about the standard for the running back position when I was at UCLA, the standard for the running back position that Maurice Jones-Drew experienced for his four years at UCLA and then in his continued relationship with EB. And when I watch Chris Rodriguez, like he does that stuff. 
He's excellent in pass protection. He's physical in that regard. He blocks well in space. Not a ton of opportunity, but he blocks well in space. Um, he runs and he finishes runs with a violence, an explosion. You know, uh, Pacheco is the guy that kind of is the most recent Eric Bieniemy mm. find. He's got that kind of you hit me, I'm exploding into this contact. You like there's the uh, the perfect play against Mississippi State in my estimation is he has this run where he gets through, he breaks an arm tackle at the line of scrimmage, and the safety comes up to fit, and there's a linebacker hanging on um, Rodriguez's hip. And he delivers an absolute punishing blow on the safety. The very next play in this cutup I was watching, it's the same safety. He hits the hole clean and the safety just says, I have no desire to have any part of this hit. Takes a creative angle. Rodriguez hits it off for a 50-yard run. And you see the short area quickness. You see the short area burst. Doesn't have the long speed necessarily, but much like Pachenko, like explodes through the line of scrimmage good vision comes from an NFL style rushing attack already. So there's not going to be a lot of turnover there in terms of developmental stuff catches the football. Well, not like receiver good, but for a running back, very high level in that regard. So I just see a, a really well-rounded back. And the thing that is kind of scary about the process for me is I'm like, man, they can just throw big bodies at defenses. And this is something I've toyed with for a long time. Like everyone says, oh, I want a power back and a scat back. But what if you just said, screw it, and just said, we're going to launch big bodies into your face for 30 carries a game? Like, what is that going to do to the defense? B-Rob stays healthy. He stays healthy because they're each getting 15 touches. And it's just like two battering rams. And I don't right. think anyone's really done this like this for a while. And it's a scary, it's a scary thought. And I also think it's really good for Gibson. Because it says, hey, you are officially going to be more a part of our passing attack. And it's not like Gibson's a shrieking violet anyway. You know, no, I think people forget because of his like receiver background. Dude's like 220, 225. He's, he's, huge. he's big fella. So having a backfield like this is is very daunting. And I and again, it's a little unconventional, but I'm also kind of like, if you maybe if you want a third down back, maybe that's where you say, hey. Um, Curtis Samuel pop back here. We'll run choices with you back here or right. Gibson. We'll do it with you and we'll bring in Armani Rogers to play that third receiver role or, or whatever, or however that shakes out. So yeah, I don't know. They got to figure think... out the pass pro part of the third down back. That's, that's the one right. that is a little, I mean, I was spoiled when I was on the beat cause I had Chris Thompson who missed one assignment in six years. Right. Like that's just, that's who CT was. Like he was so freaking solid. He just never missed. And you know, there were times that he got stuck on, I remember one play they were playing the jets one year and he got face full of Leonard Williams. And you're just right. like, all right, well he stuck his nose in there and like he, yeah. he slowed him up. And like, right. that's the kind of stuff that CT would do. And they don't, I don't know if they have that, and I don't know if Rodriguez is a guy who's going to stick his face in there. I mean, he's, it sounds like he's, he's got the physicality, he, but like he's excellent pass pro. Excellent it's the mental. It's it's not just I shouldn't say the mentality. It's the mental processing to know like this is my guy. That's where a lot of running backs get messed up. It's not necessarily just a willingness to put your face in there. It's knowing where to put your face. Yeah. And so that that is the thing he'll have to learn. Um, and AG I think is probably the guy they're going to want to continue to grow in that space because he's also such a threat as a receiver. Um, but like you said, like, you know, you stick Curtis back there and run the choice routes. You, you know, you can, you can do different kinds of things with the personnel that they have. And I would anticipate, frankly, like Terry and Jahan getting some, some snaps out of the backfield too, in the way they used to with Tyreek, where they're not necessarily a threat to run it, but it just makes like, you can't press them. There, there's things that cause problems because of that alignment that EB has toyed with in, in Kansas city for a long time. 
then I would imagine he does the same. Um, by the way, uh, the guy who you're talking about, I think, is Casimir Allen, um, who is officially listed as a wide receiver out of UCLA, but he was their punt return, kick return yeah. guy, which is another position that I'm glad got addressed in some way, shape, or form because that was an issue for them last year. There was just no pop in either one of the return games. AG had a little bit for a while at kick return, but there, there was just not enough pop in the return game last year. And if this guy can come in, make the team as the last wide receiver, and then ultimately be a, a special teamer and, and the return guy, like that would be very, 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 very nice. And the reason he's listed as like a running back receiver is because he basically played receiver, but he also had like three or four games where he played running back against Arizona State. And then I think maybe USC, I forget exactly where he was able to clip off some very explosive runs. Kind of, you know, like when you watch him, it kind of reminds you of, this is this is a very lofty comparison, but, but Tyreek Hill, when he was playing running back at Kansas City, you know, a guy that has some explosive ability, can move around the formation. I don't know if that's his role from day one, but he is a nice, he kind of reminds you of like um, the kid from Oregon, Mamba, I forget his name exactly, but you remember uh, what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I know exactly you're talking like about. I can't remember his name. Super quick, super good acceleration. The long speed's not necessarily there, but, you know, like a playmaker. And so I do think yeah. if that's the addition to the backfield, that's the addition to this offense, um, that could potentially turn into something depending on how the, the training camp goes. But, you know, in terms of Rodriguez, I like him. He's good. He's an excellent running back. And him and B-Rob, you know, wearing down defenses is going to be a hell of a thing to watch. Definitely. All right. Just overall final thoughts. Um, I'll go first real quick. I, I don't think they hit like grand slam. Oh my God. Like people aren't going to celebrate them. Like they're celebrating the Eagles draft. Um, and that's fine. You know, the chances are that the Eagles draft won't turn out to be quite as genius as it looks now. Cause that tends to be how those things go. Although yep. God, they got a lot of talent. Um, but there's a reason like Keely Ringo fell, but if, you know, the Eagles get the best out of him, they're going to look like geniuses. doesn't mean Keely Ringo would have been successful anywhere else, but the commanders don't necessarily, it looks like today, have that kind of draft. But they have continued a very methodical offseason plan that I think makes a lot of sense. Like they they know what they're doing. And what I at least appreciate about this staff right now is they are not taking wild swings to try to gamify short-term success, knowing that their jobs are on the line. They have a plan. This plan would have looked a lot better if they had run it in year one versus year four. But they have a plan. They are sticking to it. And I think it's ultimately a good plan. I don't know if it will be enough to save their jobs, but they're going to try. And I think Ron will hard sell uh, Josh Harris on like, hey, man, we're, we're doing things the right way. Give us a chance to run this out. And ultimately, it's going to come down to Sam Howell. That is absolutely the case going into the draft. Yeah. It is the case coming out of the draft. That was never going to change in the draft, no matter how many national people wanted them to take a quarterback. Like, this is the plan. This is their best chance for success. I think there's maybe some flaws in a little bit of the execution, like you said. Like, an offensive tackle probably would have been nice, but alas, the way the board fell, they didn't feel that way. Yeah. And they ultimately made their team better. And, and I think that better is good, and especially when you were on the verge of the playoffs last year, and a huge reason why you missed is your offensive coordinator and your quarterback, and you changed those two positions out. I think there's reason to be optimistic. Not necessarily yeah. championship optimistic, but like I think they're a better football team now than they were at the end of last season, and that's what you want. Yeah, and I really like the the defensive additions in this draft. I, I really love the first two picks. I, I think that's going to make this defense super scary. You know, there was a period of time, I think, I, I don't remember the exact statistic, you probably help me remember, Greg, where they led the NFL in pressures for like 10 weeks in a row. 
And now mm-hmm. with these coverage players, like think about what that does in terms of sack production and think about what sack production does for your offense in terms of field position. So um, I think this is this is cool. It's, it's an exciting opportunity from a defensive standpoint. Offensively, we talked about some of our reservations. I, I do think, you know, Ricky Stromberg is going to be an excellent football player here, you know, fill out a role nicely, allow you to get cheaper and younger out of position. And I think Brandon Daniels, if he hits, like to me, he's the linchpin for the draft. If he becomes your swing guy, if he adds some rotational depth, if he does end up playing tackle for you, like that will be absolutely huge, you know? Um, so that, to me, that's the thing I'm going to be watching really closely because I, I really think I really have no questions in terms of how these other guys are going to be as pros, you know, maybe Andre Jones because, you know, small school, whatever. Yeah, but he's a seventh I, round pick. Like yeah, he might not I, make I, the I, roster and that doesn't matter because he's a seventh I, round pick. That's what right, happens. But I, but I think Manuel Forbes, Tartavius Martin, Ricky Stoneberg, KJ Henry and Chris Rodriguez are going to play a lot of football for this team. And, yeah. you know, Braden Daniels hits and is, is that guy kind of swing tackle guy with some upside that to, to be more, you know, because he's again has those elite, elite elite athletic traits. I'm like, this draft's pretty excellent, you know. So yeah, much like last year, kind of I don't want to say playing it safe, but definitely um, leaning into the character, leaning into quality human beings, and definitely picking some high floor guys, which I have absolutely no problem with. Yeah. Um, oh, I'll, I'll add one other thing. There's another guy that this season, to a point, if like they want to be really really good, hinges on, and that guy's Chase Young. Yeah. And like. You know, when you have the number two pick in the draft, as the Houston Texans just did, you know, and, and you see what some of the other teams have done with those super high top five, top three picks in recent years, when those guys hit, they can change your franchise. Yep. And Chase, you know, he's had the injury, but now it's time. And and both for him personally and for this franchise, it's going to come down to Sam Howell on offense, which can be insulated and, and helped by a lot of different factors, mainly Eric Bieniemy, but then the line, et cetera. And then if Chase Young turns into a superstar on defense, his defense should be scary good. Yeah. Um, and if not, then they should still be fairly good. I mean, think about but, what they were without him there. You know, and, right. and again, like like they're they're an right. excellent defense with him, like without him there. And if he takes that step, that everyone's kind of well, hoping the difference in them him. being a top ten, like really good borderline playoff team, um, fighting down to the end, and like. Whoa, Washington Commanders didn't see this coming. Yes. Like that I mean that's really like what you're talking about is is one player on offense, one player on defense because quite frankly, like when you go back to Chase we just talked about the draft. When you talk about Chase's college tape, it's elite. If he gets if he gets there, this will this front will be incredible, especially with the the secondary helping out in the back end like yeah. it, it's it's a, it's a really cool it's a really cool opportunity, so Definitely. All right. We'll keep uh, going back and taking a look at this draft. We'll probably do it with a guest uh, later this week or next week. Um, And then OTAs right around the corner. So we'll see these guys on the field for the first time. Rookie minicamp is is right around the corner as well. So we'll have definite coverage of that. Uh, In the meantime, make sure you are subscribed wherever you are watching or listening right now. Now, uh, if you're watching on YouTube and you haven't yet, hit that like button for us. Helps us out. Send it to a friend even. Uh, let them let them <laughs> be like, hey, hey, uh, this thing that I liked. You, you, you should like too. too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so with that, uh, for more from Logan on Instagram at Logan underscore Paulson82. I'm on Twitter at Craig Hoffman. And I'll see you all on the radio uh, at 4 o'clock, 4 to 7 each and every day on the Team 980. That's it. That's all for this edition of Take Command. See you later this week.